0: Alright, welcome back to another episode of Everyday Ecclesiology. Uh, Today's episode will be a little bit late, but we got it here. Um, I'm Daniel Greenhall.
1: And I'm Desiree Greenhall, his wife.
0: Yeah, and our goal in this podcast is to explore what it looks like for uh, the body, the local church, to build itself up in love. Um, Today, the way we'll be doing that is by uh, another question on the doctrine of the Bible. Um, But first, there are a couple other segments. First, we have who we are we did that what we're doing which is what's going on in our lives let me look at it as a brief update just so you know a little bit more about who we are or um, sometimes we'll we'll share specifically ways that we're serving in our local church even outside of you know normal gatherings like we've mentioned before Uh, then what we're learning which will be today we're going through another catechism episode and finally what we're reading yep so what are we doing? There's a couple things going on. It's been a minute since you and I were on here. We had Paul on for a couple episodes. Thanks again to him for, for coming on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a good chat we had down here. We talked for like an hour and a half before you even started recording. And then we're like, Oh, yeah. we should probably be recording this. So then we got all set up and recorded still like an hour's worth. So it was good to have him on somebody else to chat with. Um, but that one's done and we're back. I got Desiree back again. Yep. And uh, well, there's some, there's a lot of things that have happened in the past, like basically month.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's been a while um i mean i've been able to stay on task with chores and things more often because kids are playing together really well timmy's finally old enough to enjoy playing with his sister yeah pretty usually just bothering her and yeah. always being interested in what she's playing with
0: yeah but she's also uh got the oh he's playing with the toy that means i want it yeah going on. So. and
1: she's big enough to just take it
0: yeah so we're having to teach her to how to share with her brother, why it's important to share um, what you're demonstrating when you take it away versus what you're demonstrating when you actually share with him and allow him to play with the toy that he has. um, Also helping teach Timmy, but he's a little farther behind. He's, you know, 14 months-ish. I don't know how many months.
1: Nine-ish months.
0: Behind him? Behind Sophia? Oh, no. Because he's nine months and she's two years and something.
1: Yeah, they're about basically two years since... Mm.
0: It's less than two, two years. Two years
1: and nine months apart.
0: No, they're less than two years apart.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. They're like
0: eighteen months?
1: 20 months Twenty apart. months. Okay.
0: <laughs> there we go. Roughly. Twenty one. Yeah.
1: Twenty. Yeah, twenty months apart.
0: He's still learning though. He's crawling. He does this thing where he'll uh do like a charge. So if I'm on the other yeah. side of the kitchen and I'm like, Timmy and then he sees me and he wants to come over to me, he can crawl. But then if he wants to get over there quick, he puts his head down and charges like a rhino to get to me and then just keeps running into me with his head. when he Yeah, gets this there.
1: morning he did that, only he was headed straight for a wall. Thankfully, he yeah. stopped <laughs> before he just rammed into the wall.
0: Oh, he's a funny guy. He's also a goofball. Mm-hmm. Like, Sophia was weird, but to me, like, you can tell he's trying to make you laugh. Mm-hmm. And he, he does a good job of it because he's got, a, like, a goofy smile on his face and he'll just turn his head sideways and he's a lot of fun. Um, they've also gotten to play outside. Even despite the crispy, crunchy grass we got outside. Yeah,
1: it's been hot out, mm-hmm. and, and not rain. I, I don't remember the last
0: anything. like rain, rain.
1: Yeah, there's been like a shower here and there. But yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that my plants that I don't care enough about to use water on, they're like burnt.
0: Yeah, <laughs> from the top down, they're yeah, just brown. Like you roasted them on the yeah. stove top or something. Yeah, it's pretty bad. There's tomatoes that we're waiting on. Right, they're like big tomatoes, but they're just pure green. they're not even like trying to ripen so hot yep so you started watering those i'm watering them
1: more consistently in the hopes that that will help (laughs) but we'll see
0: yep um uh, nothing really new with me i mean reading stuff that we'll get to i can't think there's probably new stuff but nothing crazy it's good enough yeah i've had some more conversations with people had opportunity to, to chat with people about their local churches and uh, some people that are that are unbelievers that I've been able to chat with about um, issues in their life. So, um, or my view on things, my worldview a little bit. Chatting about worldview issues with some people at work that was fun as well. Um, to not only pick up, not pick apart per se, but listen to how other people's worldview fits or doesn't fit together. Um, mm-hmm. How they work through issues, how they try to answer questions, and understand the shortcomings that they inevitably have if they have a wrong worldview Mm -hmm. um, and be able to um, explain to them here well here's why i view this this way and here's how i view these issues because of my worldview because of what i believe about the nature of like truth and beauty so that's been fun um and and helpful to help me understand where unbelievers are coming from sometimes not that all unbelievers view the world the same way not all believers view the world the same way or view truth and beauty the same way for two examples, there, there, there's more that I could go into for that, but um, having a little bit of a glimpse into this is how they work through or ignore whatever issues come up. Sometimes they're just like, oh, I just, I oh, don't worry about that. I know it doesn't really fit with my worldview, but eh, it kind of is what it is.
1: Did you hear that? No, you okay over <laughs> okay, there? Okay, good. I had an inside burp, oh, okay. but it was still really loud.
0: Okay. No, I don't think I heard it. Okay. If I did hear it, I'll amplify it so everyone else gets to know. No. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're learning today, like I mentioned, we're in the catechism again last time um well we've had a couple episodes so we had the two episodes on call to ministry sorry again about breaking that apart Uh, i just it was really long i know you had to wait an extra week but i tried to break it at a really good part not mid-sentence or anything and um hopefully it was helpful Um, before that we reposted the christmas in july one um that was nice to be able to go in and fix the audio i think i talked about that a little bit but it was posted and then before that we answered the question what is god's word And so then the next um, episode after that is question number four in doctrine of the Bible. How
1: did the Bible come to be?
0: Yes, that's correct. And the answer we're given is God directed holy men to write the Bible by his spirit. It is fully authored by him and says what he wants it to say. It is complete and preserved for every generation. I need to zoom in. Oh, I zoomed in too much. (laughs) There we go.
1: Oh, are we going to start with the? Yep, we'll key go through the passages. scripture first.
0: Okay, so passage number one comes from Deutera- Deuteronomy chapter nine, verse ten, um, and the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone written with the finger of God, and on them were all the words that the Lord had spoken to you on the mountain out of the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. And see also Exodus thirty-one. Number um, two
1: is Jeremiah thirty-six verse eighteen.
0: It's actually two passages for footnote number two.
1: Oh. Yeah. Oh, I see that now. Yep. Uh, Baruch, is that how you say it? Sure. Baruch answered them, he dictated all these words to me while I wrote them with ink on the scroll. And Second John 1 verse 12, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete.
0: Yep. Footnote number three is 1 Corinthians 5 verse 9. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. And then there's a footnote for the footnote. See also 1 Corinthians 7.10, 2 Thessalonians 3.14, and 2 Peter
1: 3.1. Number four, 2 Peter 3.15 and 16. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and una- unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do with the other scriptures.
0: Mm. Uh, footnote number five, Revelation twenty-two eighteen. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book.
1: 6 Hebrews 2 1 through 4 therefore we must therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from Mm -hmm. it
0: This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. There's a couple of footnotes for that one as well. Number, Number 8, eight
1: Ephesians ahead. two nineteen through 22. Yep. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. See also Ephesians four, eleven through
0: sixteen. And finally, uh, footnote number nine is 1 Thessalonians one, verses nine and ten. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. All right, it's a lot of footnotes. Now what's our main passage? That we're looking at today for this answer of how did the Bible come to be?
1: The main passage is Second Peter one twenty one. You want me to read it? Yes, please. Okay. For no pros for no prophecy was ever pro- <laughs> I I don't know why I'm just so sluggish reading today. Because ah, we okay. haven't done it in a while. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah. So we're gonna unpack a couple of the issues not issues, a couple of the important points of how the scriptures came to be. Um, and this is something that was gone over some in, um, in college. I remember a little bit of the, the debate around what was inspiration, what was inspired, and I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, how is how is scripture given? How is God the author, even though men wrote it? So we'll get into all that stuff. Yep. Um, starting with the, the basic explanation that we'll break down a little bit more. Um, if the Bible is God's written word, and it is, then how did it get written down? This is what we're trying to understand with this question. Did God physically write it himself? How did the How did the Bible come to be, and how did it get to you and me? First of all, God directed men to write the Bible. Do you want to read that one, or do you want me to start off?
1: You go ahead and start off.
0: Okay. So first off, yes, God directed men to write the Bible. God speaks, but he doesn't have a physical mouth like we do because he is spirit. God has also written some of his words down himself, but he doesn't necessarily have physical fingers, nor has he chosen to use this same method with the rest of the Bible. How did God write the Bible then? Our verse above is very helpful in understanding the process of how the Bible came to be. First, God used real human men to write the Bible. The 66 books of the Bible were written by over 40 men over a period of 1,500 years. Actual historical men like Moses, David, Isaiah, Peter, Paul, and John These men, among others, physically wrote down at certain times and in certain places what you and I read today in the Bible. Some of them wrote by dictating to a secretary or amanuensis. (laughs) Um, Others wrote by their own hand with various writing tools. These men were, in many ways, ordinary men. But they were also holy men, men whom God chose and who were faithful to follow him. Second, God directed these men to write the Bible. None of them set out to write portions of the Bible on their own, by their own will, and none of them wrote simply out of their own ideas or imagination. How did God direct them? Well, by his Spirit. Herein is another way the Holy Spirit relates to the Bible. He carried along, as the text says, these men to write what they wrote. In short, God, through his Spirit, ensured that what these men wrote was exactly what he wanted them to write. While we might not know exactly how this worked, I think it's well illustrated by the same idea idea carried along used elsewhere. In Acts 27, the apostle Paul, while sailing to Rome, encounters strong winds, which are told, carry the ship along. That's, we see that in Acts 27, verse 17. So there was an important point in there, is that A, uh, God is the author. B, well, here are three points. He used hmm. men. And C, the actual words are exactly what he wanted written down. So um, when talking about inspiration... Mm-hmm. When people use the word, um, all scripture is given by inspiration of God or all scripture is inspired by God. It's the tect- text itself that is actually perfect and correct. Some people will use inspiration to refer to the process of getting the words on the page. Um, I think that's potentially a misunderstanding of what inspiration what the word behind inspiration is actually meant to be doing but it's the text that is actually perfect god worked through okay. imperfect men to make the text exactly what he wanted okay i think there might be more on that in a minute but okay. i don't remember exactly where we go here so that was the first point is that god directed men to write the bible but then number two
1: the bible is fully authored by god yep god used human men to physically write down his word the bible And he was very much an active part of the entire process. He planned to have his word written. He selected certain men to write various portions of it. He directed each of them in writing their specific portions. And he made sure that what they wrote was what he wanted them to write. So the Bible was written by men, but is ultimately authored by God. I have said this already, but it bears repeating. The Bible, as God's written word, says exactly what he wants it to say. Now here's the fascinating thing. Because God used many different men at different times and in different places, the way in which he has spoken through them is unique to the men who wrote his word. What do I mean? First, the Spirit's work in these men, carrying them along, didn't override who they were as persons, meaning they didn't become robots when they wrote their portions of the Mm -hmm. Bible. They wrote what they wrote while in control mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And while some of them also wrote other things as well, they were aware that when they were writing the Bible, it was different than any of their other writings. Scripture reference three. Second, and very much related to what we just said, the Spirit's work in these men didn't override their individual personalities. Meaning, they don't sound the same when we read their portions of the Bible. Each of them retained, for example, their own writing styles, including the words they used, their mannerisms, and even how they made their points. In short, Paul wrote what God wanted him to write, and he had him write as Paul. That is, Paul writes as Paul, not like Peter. And Peter writes as Peter, not like Paul. Scripture reference four. Mm -hmm. And God, in his wisdom, intentionally chose not only to say what he said in the Bible, but also to say what he said in the way that he said it in each of the 66 books of the Bible.
0: Yeah. And and even thinking broadly about that, um, some might ask, well... How how do you not override their personalities and still have exactly what you want? Well, I mean, if you think about big picture, God being sovereign over literally everything, then can't he shape that person exactly how he wants, put the right influences in their lives to um, shape their even writing style over the course of their entire life up to that point to be exactly what he wanted? Well, yeah, of course he can. And so he when he cho- when he chose people, he wasn't like, "Oh, I need someone that writes in this style." So let me see who I got. I'll save them, and then I'll make them write for me. That's not <laughs> that's not how God works. Um, he had from the beginning of time planned who was going to be writing these, and he put everything in their life that needed to be there to shape their writing style to be exactly what he wanted to do. When looking when looking when looking at this from a perspective of the sovereignty of God it's not hard to to see well yeah of course their personalities can come through that's not a problem because who's in control of how their lives are shaped and how their writing styles are even formed and all of the influences around them anyway right. so that's not even hard to, to reconcile either and I think it's a testimony to the to the greatness of the sovereignty of God too alright so that was the Bible is fully authored by God even though we talked about a lot about human authors um the ultimate author is God. There was just an explanation of how the author is God, even though human people physically wrote. So thirdly, the Bible is complete. It is. It hasn't always been complete, but it is now. Now let me explain. Well, he says, let me explain what I mean. First, the Bible had a beginning. While God hasn't always been, well, excuse me, let me (laughs) restate that. Let me actually read what's written. While God has always been, and as God, has always been a talking God, yet his word hasn't always been been written down. Second, God is the one who determined to have his word written down, not man, and he planned for it to be accomplished. So he knew what he was doing and he kept his plan moving along. Third, as I already mentioned, the Bible, its 66 books, were written over a span of 1,500 years. So for a time, it was continually being added to as each book was written. And during that time, God's people didn't have all of his written word. The, for example, as an aside, the Israelites couldn't turn to second Peter and see what to do. Mm. They didn't have that guidance. They didn't have the gospels to see Jesus work. It hadn't happened yet. They didn't have revelation. They didn't know the revelation about end times. I mean, they didn't have the church even. So they didn't didn't have a lot of that yet, but those were added over a period of time. And even people in Jesus day didn't have the gospels to look at. They had had Jesus, which, you know, I would take over the gospel accounts, but, um, yeah, they didn't, they didn't have that. that. There was a time at which it was added to. So, for a time, it was continually being added to as each book was written. And during that time, God's people didn't have all of his written word. Fourth, the Bible has been completed. And as such, its completion has been preserved for you and me. Now, I realize I just covered a lot of ground in those few sentences, so let me work backwards and explain a bit more. That we have the Bible is ultimately a demonstration of the providential work of God. He has made sure that you and I have his written word and he has done so using many normal means like the capabilities and diligence of people copying and translating his written word from generation to generation. But how do we know that these 66 books of the Bible no more, no less? Well, we've already seen in our previous question that these 66 books bear the characteristics of God himself. Additionally though, from the Bible, we can reasonably conclude that Revelation was the last book, see reference number five. For example, the overall purpose of the Bible is to make known God's plan of full salvation through Jesus Christ, which it has faithfully done. Reference number six. Did I say six for the last one? I think I said no, five. You said five. Okay. Second so guessing myself. Also, God makes himself known most fully in and through Jesus Christ, which has taken place through his first coming and its witness in the New Testament. Reference seven. Further, he has already made full use of the apostles to establish the church, which has been established and continues to grow now apart from the apostles. Look at reference number 8. And he has clearly made known to us what we ought to do while we wait for him to bring everything to an end when Jesus Christ returns one day, which is the next major event in God's plan. Reference number 9. So, put another way, we don't need any more books. What we have with the 66 books of the Bible is sufficient. This is what the Bible teaches about the bible
1: actually learned some stuff in there or yeah. solidified i feel like yeah. i probably at some point learned this in youth group or college or something yeah but it's good to have
0: well you didn't take uh full you didn't take like doctrine one and doctrine two correct no or three i did and four. Mm-hmm. you took all four yep oh you didn't take systematic correct did I take systematic? I think I took systematic. I believe so. Yeah, because yep. that's when I had the you oral exam. take that
1: to take orals and I did yep. not have to do orals. Yes,
0: I liked mine. It was fun.
1: I think I would have been a okay I think I had it.
0: bibliology, actually.
1: I like public speaking, so I don't think that part I had, bothered me.
0: Did I end up getting pneumatology? Yeah, you did. I did end up getting pneumatology. I yes, did. And I then there was remember. one other one. What was the other one I had? It was probably Christology. Yeah, that I think so. Right. I didn't end up having bibliology, but I did end up studying bibliology a lot. Um, It was just... It might
1: have been... Don't you get like three that are possibly the ones you're going to have to talk about or something like that?
0: uh, I think I had to be ready for all of them. Oh, okay. Maybe one day was major doctrines, quote unquote major, and one day was quote unquote minor. Oh, yeah. Um, But that was about it. I was just glad I didn't get angelology because that one was the toughest one. It was the most foreign to me. Um, Mm -hmm. The one I knew the least about. Not that I didn't like it or I didn't study it, but it was the one I knew the least about. Because I think out of all the doctrines, it's the one we know the least about.
1: Yeah, there's only. S- there's just, the,
0: there's only. not as much revelation yes. about that in Scripture.
1: But the Bible, that what we have with the Bible is, is sufficient. It's sufficient revelation. Yep. That's
0: correct. <laughs> Which doesn't mean we know everything about it, it means we know enough. Um, Not sufficient to know everything, Right. but sufficient for what is necessary uh, and good and proper and in accordance with God's good plan
1: can you mute me i have to sniffle
0: oh yeah go ahead sorry about that yeah no problem
1: thanks
0: (laughs) there you go um all right that's gonna wrap up catechism for today hopefully that was helpful um i always enjoy these i even enjoy reading them uh and listening to desiree read too because i think she reads a little better than i do no thanks yep um Lastly, what we're reading. We read a catechism. That doesn't count. It does count as reading, but that doesn't count for our list.
1: Um, I have been, I've gotten a pretty good routine down. Of course, I've only done it for like maybe three or four days. Yeah. But um, I have in the morning, I wake up and read Bible reading right Mm -hmm. away. And then once I put Timmy down for his morning nap, I have like a little book time where I read um, my like childish fiction book um so, and right now i'm going through harry potter in preparation for fall oh yeah um <laughs> and that's when i encourage sophia to read one of her books or play yeah. quietly so she i usually do just, it better i do a one chapter it's not like it's going to be yeah it's not a long amount of time um and then before bed i read i'm reading lord of the rings i'm still working through the second book if you think of them as a three book set yeah um yeah. otherwise i think i'm in the fourth book if you think of them as being six books. Okay. Um and then when I'm doing chores, I listen to an audiobook that's Nine Marks of a Healthy Church.
0: Yeah. Um I finished uh I think I can't remember which ones I said last time. I don't think I have my notes, but I finished The Hobbit. I have not started Lord of the Rings yet. We were looking for a box set the other day, but I didn't find one that we actually liked. I don't want like the the thick books. Pocket books. Yeah, I don't like pocketbooks they i think they're gonna get beat up faster i just i don't like reading out of them um i like bigger ones not necessarily bigger text but like fuller pages fuller size pages mm-hmm. and fewer pages i they tend to last better for me i think, I think we just, want
1: a cheap version of the big ones yeah basically so that it's fine if they get beat up by kids but yes. they're not like a hundred bucks each <laughs> yeah
0: because there are some really nice sets i can get but i want my kids to be able to read them and I don't worry about them getting beat up because I spent $200 on them. Yeah. Because it was a fancy set. So I will start reading Lord of the Rings at some point. Uh, I also read in the hiatus um, between Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Hiatus? That's the right word. Yeah. What is that? It's like a break. I'm yeah. Google it now. I'm so sure. what'd you read? Yeah. A pause or gap in a sequence, series, or process. I'm taking a pause between Hobbit and between sure and Ro- gone, Lord of the Rings. I'm pretty sure
1: we've gone over that word before on our podcast. Yeah, I think
0: so. You okay. made me th- second so guess myself or oh sorry guess myself um, i thought
1: you were saying you read a book named that no 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 I'm like what no, no no
0: no um i started reading nine marks of a healthy church i had made i had finished um
1: rediscover church
0: yes rediscover church yeah. i think i've mentioned i know i've mentioned that i finished yeah. that one so i wanted to read nine marks of a healthy church i've heard them referenced i've used them i've mentioned them i've talked about them the actual nine marks but i haven't read the original book that was, mm-hmm. and I still haven't because this is the fourth edition and there's been some stuff added, subtracted, but yeah. um, I'm reading the fourth edition version in case you were curious by Mark Dever on Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. Um, I've, I think already that there are a couple things that I don't agree with, but you know, okay over there. Yep. Um, but I don't think it's um, a deal breaker, so to say. Um, um, I don't think it's something that meaningfully impacts for the negative um what he's trying to convey in those nine marks of a healthy church um so i'll but i'll get to that i'm sure that's one that we'll go through here once i finish it you're okay. reading it too yep. so i'm sure we'll go through it for an episode it's your fault you got me over <laughs> here um having trouble talking um that one and then i'm still working through deacons i have a couple chapters left deacons by smethersh mm-hmm. that one will be done by next time because that's what we're going over um because it's been like Three episodes between catechism. So we're getting catechism done. And then next time will be hopefully the final episode on deacons. Finally. Mm-hmm. And I know there was something else I read and I cannot remember what it was.
1: I have no idea. Well, must not have stuck with me that well. finished Gentle and Lowly, didn't we?
0: Oh yeah, we finished Gentle and Lowly.
1: Is that the one you're thinking yep, of? Yep, that was oh, it. There you go.
0: Um, So maybe we'll, I don't know if we'll take a whole episode to do that. Maybe we'll combine it and do two books in an episode with some smaller ones um if i wanted to cover most of gentle and lowly and you wanted to cover some of labor with hope
1: oh yeah i finished that one
0: yep yeah i I can't remember if you mentioned that
1: i don't know i think i just finished it between the last like three weeks that we've been yeah gone
0: i can't remember if you mentioned it already on this podcast i didn't think so so maybe we could do a joint episode do those two books um i could talk a little bit more about one you can talk about the one that you actually read (laughs) yeah um i think that's it yeah, if, if I forgot something, then I'll add it on to next week's episode.
1: Oh, we are trying to read through a section for family devos. Oh, yes. In the ology. theology,
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We still haven't made it all the way through that one. Nope. But there's been some sidetracks and some forgetting about it because yep. it's in Sophia's room and I didn't see it.
1: Yeah, I need to, I got to find a place for it out in the kitchen. Yeah.
0: But that's been it. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this episode, learned something. Um, and until next time, keep serving or start serving within your local church.
1: Bye. Bye.